the first step on the passion struck continuum is stuff that i call the mission angler mm -hmm. and it's really about life crafting the vision that you want your future self to live mm -hmm. and then it's understanding uh, the gap between where you are today and where you want to be and then starting to deduce what is getting in the way the self-doubt the fear etc that's blocking you from achieving that life goal that you have and so the rest of the steps then start walking you through how do you approach that Welcome to the Create Happy Now podcast, dedicated to helping you start your journey to discover true happiness. Join me, your host, Susan Blanton, weekly as we explore the transformation stories and words of wisdom from our Masters of Happiness with tips you can start applying today to create happy now. Hey, this is Susan Blanton with the Create Happy Now podcast, and today on my show is John R. Miles. John is a leading authority on intentional behavior change, personal growth, and mattering, is a beacon of inspiration and transformation. As a celebrated leader, captivating keynote speaker, and the host of the award-winning podcast, Passion Struck with John R. Miles, He's on a mission to help individuals unlock their untapped potential, challenge the status quo, and embark on a journey towards a profoundly meaningful and purpose-driven life. Recognized as one of the top thinkers in personal mastery and a premier 100 leader, his influence extends far and wide. His podcast consistently ranks among the world's top 100 shows and is the number one alternative health podcast, offering practical insights for those who aspire to live a life that truly matters. With over two decades of corporate and military leadership experience, he's the trusted advisor sought after by some of the world's most prominent companies and visionary entrepreneurs. His leadership acumen has been instrumental in generating billions in sales and advising multiple unicorn startups. Yet beneath these remarkable achievements, John's true passion lies in guiding individuals to live a passion-struck life in every facet. His story, like his podcast, is an inspiring journey towards significance. He developed Passion Struck out of the desire to create an impact by educating people on how to live a life that truly matters, one where they live better, be better, and positively impact the world. Well, John, thank you so much for joining the Create Happy Now podcast. Um, I want to have the listeners learn a little bit even more about you. Um, what got you started on your journey uh, to happiness? Can you tell us a little more? Yeah, I'd love to, Susan. And thank you so much for having me as a guest and for the ability to serve your audience. I'm so honored to be here. Well, you're very much welcome. You're our people. <laughs> I would say my journey to where I am today started well over a decade ago. Mm. I think I was feeling like many people feel. I felt aspects of my life were going extremely well. For me, especially my career, uh, I was a high achiever. I had achieved my aspiration of becoming a C-level in a Fortune 50 company. And unfortunately, I've, what I found was that in every other area of my life, I was live, living in mediocrity. Mm. I was 
overemphasizing one pillar of my life at the expense of others. But I think like so many, it is so hard to make that transition. And so even though I knew that this imbalance was there, I had fear of taking action because action involved change. And you get so caught up in the materialistic and external aspects of what you think are bringing you success that what I found myself doing was I was wearing a mask of inauthenticity and it was really leading for me feelings of just desperate hopelessness and numbness and uh, just a, a place that I wouldn't wish on anyone. And my relationships were being impacted. My health was impacted. My spirituality was impacted. And um, th that's how I was existing for many years. And I found myself uh, going into a deeper and deeper depression because of it. And eventually the combined burnout that I was experiencing from uh, the massive amount of work I was doing uh, in the position I was in. So you know, I think that, yeah, yeah that was the that, starting point. <laughs> that is, I think you're relating to a lot of people out there. I mean, I know you don't wish that on anybody, but I think there's probably a lot of heads nodding out there saying, yeah, I focused on the wrong thing. Um, you know, they, it, it, and we aren't taught balance, you know, we're not taught, oh, there, you know, you need to be have this parts of our life in check. We need to be our, have our relationships in check. We need to have our work in check. We have to have our, you know, health in check. It's, you know, pick one. And then the, you know, it's, it's more of a survival mode um, aspect. I think that, that people take one and let the rest go um, in, in order to just, exist and and the life that's given us you know and we're not really given all the tools at a young age no and for what it took me was a couple like pivotal events one was i decided to start meeting with a career coach who was also a psychologist and so as i was going through these counseling sessions he gave me the metaphor that I had been living my life as if it was a bar stool that had one fundamental support. Mm. And the issue with that is when that fundamental support has any problems in it, you just fall flat on your face. And so he got me to start seeing things in a different way. He got me to visualize seeing myself living my life on a stool that had multiple supports that made up a more balanced aspect of what I was doing. And so once I, I kind of got that in my mind, I started to make some small changes to lead me more in that direction. And the first I pursued, like many people, was trying to get a better grip of my my health. And the way I was doing that by, was trying to get into a better exercise regimen uh, because I had put on weight because of the chronic, chronic stress that I was dealing with. And I needed to deal with the stress and I wanted to feel better and look better and everything else. So I had gotten into this great regimen of going to Orange Theory um, quite frequently. And it just so happened 
Uh, it was a typical Tuesday, just like any day of the week. I dropped my daughter off at school, headed to Orange Theory, and right before the class was about to start, we started smelling like an electrical type of smoke. And it turns out that there was a short in their air conditioning box that was in the room and they had to call the, the fire department. And so the fire department came and we all had to exit. Obviously can't class was canceled. And so I ended up heading home uh, about 45 minutes earlier than I typically would have. Yeah. And, and unbeknownst to me, there was an intruder who had been watching my patterns and oh my had gosh. just so happened to pick this as the day that he was going to go into the house because he knew that I typically would be gone for this period of time. And so I entered the house and walked in on an in-house burglarly going on. And I didn't realize it at the time. Um, so I wanted to go switch gears. And because I couldn't wor work out there, I thought, you know, I'll go on a bike ride instead just so I can get some type of workout in. And as I was going up the stairs to my bedroom, I have a staircase that had a, a 90 degree uh, twist. And as I rounded the corner, I started hearing heavy breathing at the time that I was about to round the corner and was as if time just stood still for a second. And all of a sudden my military training kicked in. And the first thing I did when I rounded the corner is I knew some, something was absolutely wrong. And so the first thing I did when I navigated it was I did kind of a, a, a shift in my body position as I came around and uh, looked for threats and i saw a gun in his hand uh, pointing down the stairs and so oh um i reacted just as quickly as i possibly could because i had two options i could either charge him or i could try to do a a maneuver and get out of there and i quickly just processed in my head that uh, the the, uh, the chances of me getting up the stairs and not being shot were pretty low. And so I decided to evade and fight uh, another time. And um, coming out of that, I don't think it hit me at first. My, my daughter later came home and I think the realization started to dawn on me, you know, what happened if she had been sick that day or something else had been different in in the, the moments that occurred. And as I was processing this event um, over the next few days, uh, I ended up spending time with uh, my best friend um, all day Saturday. And then uh, was starting to feel a little bit better ab about it because I was able to talk it out. And on that Monday morning, I flew to New York and uh, was about ready to enter a meeting when all of a sudden my phone started blowing up and I happened to just have to take a phone call because I was worried what was going on. And it turns out that that friend who I had met with uh, had decided to take his own life. And so in a matter of five, six days, I had the suicide of my best friend coupled with this life-threatening event all impact me at the same time. 
and really coming out of that, uh, and it didn't happen all at once. It took me a while to really process the grief. And I remember not being able to go up into my room. I would just sleep on the couch because I just couldn't get it out of my mind that this person had been in my room. And as it turns out, had been in the house weeks before canvassing it and trying and understanding what their path was going to be before they came in a second time. And so um, as I processed this, I really had this complete clarity that the life I was leading was not the life that I was destined to leave or to live. Mm -hmm. And so it really resulted in me devoting myself to mindfulness, to yoga, to inner practice, and two years of just really deep down self-awareness and personal growth to understand where I was, uh, but more importantly, to lifecraft where I wanted to be in the future. And I knew at this point that my life's mission was to serve others and um, it now became not a matter of if I was going to serve others, it was then how, how do I go about doing it? How so, and what, and, <laughs> yeah. So, so did you, what would, what did you do first to, um, transition from corporate to being an entrepreneur serving your passion? So that is never an easy transition. It reminded me a little bit of coming out of the military and trying to transition into something else. And so what I ended up doing is I started a company and I was one of the first who was ahead of the curve on what's now being called fractional executive work. But I started myself becoming a fractional executive. What is that? so I would, or the, or the people I had on the team would go into companies and we would often go into small, medium-sized businesses or startups and perform executive roles that they couldn't afford to do on a full-time basis. So it could be we were performing the chief financial officer, or the chief marketing officer, or the chief technology officer, um, but Typically, it would be either for a shorter duration of time yeah. or you would do 10, 15 hours a week um, and spread that across multiple clients. Um, my spe yeah, my specialty was really going in and turning around companies. So a lot of times I was hired by private equity firms to either go in as the chief operating officer or the CEO to temporarily, typically anywhere from 12 to 24 months, go in these companies and and turn them around mm. and so that's where i got my start and it just happened to be that one of these opportunities that i got was to work for a company that not only had a consulting practice but they also had digital publications uh, that they ran as well and i was asked in addition to doing aspects of the fractional executive role to take on being the assistant publisher and eventually the interim uh, editor-in-chief of the publications. And I think it was during that time that I really started to see the power of content and that we were really in a content uh, transition where 
it was going to become its own market in the future. It already was. And so I started to see that by putting out content, um, I could serve an audience. And so that eventually led me to uh, starting my own podcast, the book and, and everything that I'm doing now. But it was kind of that transition of steps to steps to that epiphany when I was doing that job to understanding that there is a whole new opportunity out here to be a content creator and to do something that I love that could impact a, a, lar- a lot larger amount of people um, if I did it uh, well. Absolutely. So you have um, now you have a book, right? Um, the Passion Struck book you have. I do. You. <laughs> people on the podcast may not be able to see it, but um, but I wanted to learn a little bit more about your book. Um, so when did you start writing it? How long has it been out and what what can they find in the book? So the book actually launches on February 6th, okay, 2024. So it's not out yet. Uh, but this has been something that I say has been in the works for decades. But it really started uh, because uh, my community started coming to me and, and asking me to write a book. And I remember originally having some ideas about it during uh, covid But as I was starting to talk to agents and circulating the book proposal, I think like a lot of people, I had spent so many years in these corporate environments where they didn't really want you to have a personal brand that Mm -hmm. I didn't really have much on social media at the time. So the agents were asking me very logical questions such as, how do you know that anything that you write about or talk about is going to resonate with anyone? And to be honest, I I honestly didn't, uh, because most of the public speaking that I had done before that was talking about digital transformation or big data or mm. things that were related to the companies that that I was working with. And so given at that point, we were unable to do keynote speaks speaking, or it's hard for me when you're in a virtual environment to really see how an audience is being receptive to what you're talking about. So I decided to, at that point, uh, launch a podcast. I spent about six months researching podcasts and uh, eventually decided to to take the blue pill and uh, go down that path. And your podcast is also called Passion Struck? Podcast is also called Passion Struck, yes. Okay, okay. so what what's the platform of your podcast? What um what have you been talking about there? So I think like anything, uh, we evolve over time. So yeah. I'm not sure how you felt with your podcast, but when I started, I found that I was putting out some quality content, but What I observed about four or five months into it was that I was mimicking other hosts that I liked and trying to take things that I was seeing them do and apply it to my show. And a light bulb kind of hit me one day that people don't go to Susan's podcast because 
ultimately you have President Obama on the show. They don't go to Jay Shetty's because he's got Mel Robbins on the show or Mel Robbins because she's got Oprah. They go because ultimately they like the host and the lens through which they do the podcast. And so for me, that was really an epiphany. And from that point forward, I started to do everything really through the lens of how do you create an intentional life? And so the way I decided to approach it was that I've seen so many personal development podcasts that talk a, a lot of things, but they don't really back it with any science or deep ingrained psychology, et cetera. And so I decided that I was going to kind of do a mixture between bringing experts in the fields coupled with people who the audience could recognize as themselves who made incremental changes to their own lives, completely turning around their destinies. So you could learn from the experts and then you could see how people applied these different techniques in their own lives. And from that point forward, it just started taking off. Yeah. I mean, it's much similar to what we have here at Create Happy Now. I mean, we like to hear everybody's different story to happiness, you know, what what was their their pivotal point and what made them, you know, change and turn around and what pro- what what obstacles did they overcome and um, you know, what what made them decide to to starve. You know, there there's so many people that have just completely changed career paths. Um, and has decided to start, um, you know, either helping people with healing or coaching, or they've written a book or they, you know, or a keynote speaker, um, or maybe they're channeling, um, their higher self or channeling a, a, a certain, um, you know, entity. Um, I mean, it's, it's a little bit of everything, <laughs> Um, but yeah, I mean, um, so now you have come up with this, um, podcast and the book that complements the podcast. And so tell us a little bit more about what they're going to find in your book. So oftentimes you get that question, what would you tell yourself if you were 20 years old again? Yeah. So I have a 25 year old and I have a 19 year old. Mm -hmm. And so as I was going through this, I wrote the book for them and it's not only for their generation, it's really for anyone anywhere in their lifespan, but I wanted to give tools that I used and more importantly, that I saw others who had turned their life into something that was successful, was meaningful. And I kept seeing these patterns emerge. So what the book contains is 12 life principles, and I organized it in three parts. The first part, I go through six mindset shifts. Mm -hmm. The second part, I go through six behavior shifts. And then the third portion, I go through what I call is the psychology of progress, which is really How do you take deliberate action in your life? And so I wanted to give two chapters that really grounded people 
in behavior science and techniques that they could use. And then more importantly, once you've laid out this framework, then how do you actually apply it in your life? So that's how the book is laid out. So what, um, what, what are some of the things that besides the, I know you had consulted with a psych psychologist, psychologist or counselor, um, that was helping you, um, I'm sure you did a lot of your own self-study. What, what are some of the things that you either discovered on your own or, um, you, you've stumbled upon as, uh, as interesting resources? So like many of the people who are listening to us today, I have experienced uh, significant trauma in my life. Um, and not only the incident that I had with the intruder in my house, but combat trauma mm -hmm. uh, and other physical assault trauma. And what I learned is like many people do, I thought I could handle the adversity and the past trauma on my own. Mm -hmm. I thought that I could suppress it. And for me, when the death of my friend happened and this near-death experience happened, not only over a period of time did it reawaken trauma, but it brought forth much of this trauma that I had been suppressing for a long time. And mm -hmm. so I went through a very significant period of therapy where I did cognitive processing therapy, okay. um, prolonged exposure therapy, EMDR, um, other modalities. And all these things are, are not easy. Uh, the, the, the cognitive processing therapy really got me to see the stuck points that were really inhibiting me from getting from where I was in life to where I truly wanted to be. And a lot of them dealt with trust issues, et cetera. I think the prolonged exposure therapy, if anyone's done that, was probably the worst aspect of it because you basically are taking the worst event that's ever happened to you and reliving it over and over and over again mm -hmm. until it becomes a non-issue. But having to go through that is a really painful experience while it lasts. But on the other side of this is so much post-traumatic growth. And that is what I have experienced. And that is what I try to share through the lessons that I talk about and the lessons that I share in the book. Yeah, I'm sure being a guest on a podcast telling you to tell this story is, is, uh, partly healing and partly, you know, it's, it's a, it's a reminder. So it's, um, it's a launching pad every time, you know, to remind yourself of where you've been and where you are now. And, um, you probably had to relive that quite a bit for your, you know, that part of your therapy, correct. To go through your trauma. Yeah, I mean, I mean, for the better part of two years. Yes. Yeah. So now you're it, on the other side of takes. that. It doesn't, how is it now reliving it now? I mean, having you retell your story again. So I don't think it ever completely goes away, mm -hmm. um, but you learn to, to not let it define you anymore. You learn not to bury those emotions and instead to use them as 
a learning opportunity and a way to see your life in a different way. And so that's how I've chosen to approach them as growth opportunities, as reasons for me to help others who have gone through terrible situations like I've endured, who might be feeling like they're the loneliest person on earth, like they've got no one they can turn to, like they're helpless, like they're beaten, battered, broken, whatever it may be. And to help people realize that no matter where you are at, uh, you have the strength inside to forge a passion-struck life again, to create a life of meaning and significance where you're not only serving yourself, but you have this innate potential to serve so many others through the skills that only you were put on earth to fulfill. And that's what I try to help people understand is what they can do to then make those skills come alive. Yeah. And we're all so much stronger than we give ourselves credit for. And, um, a lot of it has to do with just finding that part of ourselves that we can learn to love again and be more softer and patient and loving to ourselves for having gone through that. And then patting ourselves on the back for also going through that and that we can persevere and move on and get past it. So that's, that's really powerful. I like that. Um, so, so you're on your way to having this book, um, launched in February. So where are we going to be able to find it when it's finally launched? So it's currently avail available anywhere you would purchase books. It's on Amazon, Walmart, um, bookshop.org. But right now, if they purchase it on my website at passionstruck.com slash forward slash passionstruck book, I am giving over $300 in free gifts as oh, wow. an incentive to pre-order it. So it includes some really great things. Uh, one, you get access to chapter one of the book, but above that, I did a masterclass that they get access to mm -hmm. of seven ways to find their purpose. I have two incredible eBooks. Uh, one is on a process that I describe in the book, but I don't really go through how to apply it called the deliberate action process. Mm -hmm. So this is a 50 page workbook that uh, has all kinds of worksheets that take you through how to utilize it. And then I have another eBook on uh, how to create intrinsic motivation, either in your professional life or your personal life that also has a number of worksheets throughout it that will guide you on the steps that you can take. So, and then a, a couple other things as well. So, um, and then I also have a quiz I've developed to help people understand where they are on the passion struck continuum. And in mm. the book, I go through five different plateaus that people find themselves in on their road to becoming passion struck. And so it will tell you not only where you're sitting, but what you need to do action wise to get you to the next level. Why do you think a lot of people aren't taking action? I think we get stuck. We, we end up feeling 
like nothing that we do matters. And we over contemplate in our minds what action needs to be. We think that it has to be this huge step into the unknown, this huge progression of upheaval. And what I think the secret is to taking deliberate action is to train yourself to take small incremental steps along the path to becoming what you aspire to become. And I think that's where people really screw up uh, is they try to see this as too big a leap instead of if they just did one or two small actions and learn to train themselves to be more deliberate and intentional about the actions that, and choices that they're making on a daily basis, the more every choice you make is a choice to either stay where you're at or it's a, it's a choice to grow. And so I talk a lot about the importance of micro choices that we have all around us in our daily lives. And to me, that's the crux of it. It's making one or two small choices to take action that takes you in a different place. And what I found is no matter where you decide to take that in your life, whether it's the first step is you want to exercise or the first step may be you want to become a better learner and just start reading books, whatever that first step is, it ultimately impacts multiple areas of your life because it fills you with intrinsic motivation, which then will prompt you to do other things outside of that initial action area. And it just compounds over time. Absolutely. I, you know, there's, there's so many different things that you can do. I mean, you, you, you don't like, like you said, you don't have to make a big, big leap, but I think if you write down how you want life to be like, how do you want to feel? And then if you can try to feel that feeling now as if it's already happened, then what you want starts to show its path to you, but you have to be, you have to calm your mind, you know, to, and, and love yourself in order to have that path reveal itself and give you clues on, oh, let's say, which, which way should I go? I don't know. But when you can be calm, you can feel your, your intuition, that wisdom inside of you that you can become more and more dependent on instead of having to seek validation, ask everybody, which way should I go? Which way should I go? Instead, you know what feels right. Do you, do you agree? Yeah, absolutely. I remember when I started this juncture in my career, I had so many, what I call our in the asses in my life <laughs> who were trying to be the glass half empty saying, if you do this, you're not going to be making as much money. You're not going to be able to afford the lifestyle that you had. And what happens if it goes wrong or what happens if it does this mm -hmm. or if it fails, what are you going to do then? And I, I think you reach a point through self-love, self-work that you start 
really trusting your own instincts. But more importantly, I think the mistake that a lot of people make is they try to give themselves all kinds of fallback plans. And for me, one of the most important things I did was just going for it mm-hmm. and not giving myself a fallback platform and having that mental tenacity that hell or high water, I'm going to find my way to making this work. It might mean that I have to do shifts along the way, but uh, I feel compelled to do what I'm doing. I enjoy what I'm doing and I'm going to turn this dream into a reality. Right. And I think a lot of people go into this and they try to soft step their way into it. And I personally think that that's a mistake. Not everyone might, might have the resources to do it, but in my case, it, was really giving myself just this no chance that I had a safety parachute and that I had to figure it out and that I was going to use this passion to drive me to take the financial risk, to take the, uh, the emotional risk that it was going to take to try to live my dream out. And I think part of it has to do with, you know, I mean, follow your passion, follow your bliss and without expectations, you know, to not be attached to the outcome, but because you might have to pivot, you know, and detour to get there, you know, you might be going, oh, I want to write a book. Well, I might write a couple eBooks and before I get to the big book, um, or I might be teaching a few little classes before you know, I have a, a big overseas uh, retreat or um, or you may not end up going that way and you might end up volunteering and doing something else um, to to leave it open. And I think that's that's hard for a lot of people to conceptualize because they fear not knowing what the five year plan is. Um, I think more and more people um, are learning how to maybe do a six month plan. (laughs) I have a chapter in the book that's called the being turtle effect. And in that chapter, I really go through a a deep dive into Elon Musk Mm -hmm. and some of my interactions that I've had with him in the past, uh, because this is something that he uses, uh, uh, quite proficiently. And what the whole chapter is about is that you have this beehive and the bees are extremely intentional about the actions that they have to take on a given day in serving the queen and serving the hive Mm -hmm. and in keeping that vibrant community together. And then on the other hand, you've got the tortoise who has this long view, slow approach, to the goal that they want to undertake. And so to me, it's how do you maximize them both? And how do you learn to take the small daily intentional actions that lead you over time to that aspiration that that tortoise is going to fulfill? And this is something I really perfected uh, when I was an executive because I found myself, uh, I think different people have 
absolutely different strengths. But one thing for me was whenever I saw a problem, I was able to see that solution years ahead. Mm-hmm. But what but what I found was that a lot of people couldn't make that connection. And when I started to talk about things in terms of five years down the road, people couldn't comprehend the actions on how to get there. And so what I learned how to do is to boil this down into weeks, months, and what the pivotal changes you need to do to get to one stepping point. And then once you get to that one stepping point, you can you can then unveil the next six months, hit those, unveil the next one. But oftentimes we have this aspiration that I think is fine to visualize this big goal that we want to achieve. But sometimes you can really create roadblocks in your way too if you're not seeing that incremental progress because it's so far out there that you're not seeing that the progress that you're making is making a dent into it. And so this is where I introduced this deliberate action process, which allows you to break this down into much shorter sprints that you can take where you assess where you're currently at. You prioritize the immediate actions you need to take, execute them, measure them, and then keep repeating this. Um, and by doing so, you you make incremental progress and after a while, it just takes off like a wildfire and you keep going farther and farther and farther on the action steps that you're taking through the process. I think it also takes a lot of being able to be resilient upon, um, you know, being open-minded in case something comes up that may take you on a different path that's better than the path that you had thought was going to be, you know, a great path. Um, you know, let's say if you thought that you were going to become, um, you know, a keynote speaker and that's what you wanted to do and just travel the world. And then you decided you don't want to travel. You'd rather, um, have, group meetings at home, um, or maybe you wanted to open up, uh, your own shop. I mean, there are so many different avenues that can come up and you have to still reach in and decide, you know, I may have met this person and then this person had me meet this person. And then you, you want to be open to, well, there, there could be a situation where I might find a new passion. I might like, might be another fork in the road that I didn't even realize was my passion until I recognized it. But you have to be open to those situations. Otherwise you might miss that opportunity if you're not keeping your mind open. Um, you know, for example, uh, you know, just, I ran into a a woman that I happened to meet at another place and now we're going to be doing, uh, retreats together. Um, I had planned on doing it myself. And so I think that, you know, there's a five-year plan or it might be a 10-year plan, but it's like, 
how do you want your life to be in general and not have the attachments? It's going to look a certain way, but it's, you know, maybe you're going to have more financial freedom or maybe your relationships are going to be a lot less chaotic and more loving and supportive but you don't know who those relationships are going to be with, you know, it could be your immediate family, but you might have additional people that um, become really close friends. Um, so that's what I was talking about. <laughs> yeah. The, the first step on the passion struck continuum is step that I call the mission angler. Mm -hmm. And it's really about life crafting the vision that you want your future self to live. Mm -hmm. And then it's understanding uh, the gap between where you are today and where you want to be, and then starting to deduce what is getting in the way, the self-doubt, the fear, et cetera, that's blocking you from achieving that life goal that you have. And so the rest of the steps then start walking you through how do you approach that? So right. how do you confront fear? How do you reinvent yourself and learn to be a constant reinventor? How do you audit out these bad influences, toxic relationships, et cetera? How do you start shifting your perspective? How do you create action? Um, how do you get yourself to start getting in that optimal performance zone so that you can stay there and learn how to put yourself there? So that's kind of the progression of steps that I take in the book. That's awesome. That's amazing. Well, John, um, so tell us again, the website they need to go to, to pre-order your book. Well, I'm so excited that I've got an advanced reader copy here in my hand, but uh, it comes out February 6th. And right now you can pre-order it anywhere that you purchase books. But if you go to the passion struck website, passion struck forward slash passion struck book, and you put in there where you order it, whether that's bookshop.org, Amazon, Walmart, Barnes and Noble, mm -hmm. you then can get access to over $300 worth of free gifts. And if, while you're there, you can also go ahead and take the free quiz that I have on the site that will tell you where you are on the passion start continuum. Awesome. Awesome. So I ask all of my guests, what's your favorite quote? So if you would like to share with us, well, I have a ton, but I'm going to just read two here. They're from, uh, one is from my favorite authors. This is from Robin Sharma. And he says, one of the saddest things in life is to get to the end and look back and regret knowing that you could have been done and had so much more. And then another quote is from Abram, Ab Abraham Maslow. And this is the story of the human race. It's the story of men and women selling themselves short. And I think Mm -hmm. Both of those to me are great quotes because they give us a reality check that so many of us are settling for mediocrity when we could be pushing ourselves to create the life that we've always dreamt of having. The one when we were a kid that we dreamed of and somehow along the way we've let go. And to me, the core message and the message I convey in the book is that it's possible with intentional action to do it. Anyone can do it, regardless of where you're at in life. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, when now, <clears throat> the other thing that I want you to share with the, the audience that I have everybody share is your happy hack. 
So to me, I think people look at happiness in different ways. Mm -hmm. And to me, I don't consider happiness as a constant state that you're in. Mm -mm. I find that when I'm most happy is when I'm feeling awe or a positive emotion in some way. And so me, for me, the way that that happens the most is through acts of service or observing other people do acts of service for others, where you witness the awe of the world around us. Mm -hmm. And I think the other way you do it is through the intentional relationships that you're part of and just finding ways to bring yourself closer to friends and family members that bring you joy and contentment in your life. Yep, absolutely. Well, those are great, great happy hacks always. Well, thank you so much, John, for joining us on the Create Happy Now podcast. And everybody reach out and uh, on the the URL that he just gave us, I'll have it again right here so that you can jump in on this opportunity now and get $300 worth of extra bonus gifts. And John, it was a very much a pleasure having you on the show. And I wish your book and uh, your podcast, all the luck and, and growth and abundance. And, and I, I wish you well. Well, Susan, thank you so much for having me. And it was a pleasure to be here and congratulations on the great podcast that you've created. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode of the Create Happy Now podcast. Please be sure to subscribe. And if you are watching on YouTube, hit that notification bell. If you have a topic to suggest, please leave a comment below. Catch the Create Happy Now podcast on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Podbean, Spotify, Audible, iHeartRadio, Player FM, Listen Notes, and Podchaser. Check out other YouTube videos on the Create Happy Now YouTube channel. And if you want more, check down below for resources, courses, and events, or go to www.createhappynow.com.